Hi there, I'm Caitlin Soule, and I'm an author, I'm a therapist, I'm a mom to three kids, and I'm also a bit of a hot mess human. I know you don't have a ton of time, so I want to dive right into topics each week that matter the most to you. Listen in as I fly solo and bring on some amazing guests to have conversations intended to help modern women say yes to their own imperfect personal growth and evolution. We'll talk honestly about all the things that matter the most to us, like motherhood, career, relationships overcoming anxiety, intimacy, so we can steer towards a life led by our values instead of our fear. Cheers. Okay, here we are on the first episode of 2022. Crazy how time flies. I'm actually recording this podcast episode on December 30th. So it's actually my last recording of the year. And I've been thinking a lot lately about the way that we approach the new year as a culture, as a society, and how I think we can all use a little shift in that new year's narrative. And maybe you've already made that shift. I know for many of us, the couple of years that we've had, the last couple of years that we've had have had us rethinking a lot of the ways that we approach this idea of goal setting and being the best version of yourself or living your hashtag best life, right? Or doing things perfectly. And so um, if we've learned anything in the past couple of years with the pandemic and just life, it's that nothing usually goes to plan. And so I do think that we're kind of on the, um, the edge of a narrative shift when it comes to approaching the new year. But I know that this narrative about New Year's resolutions and trying to set these goals for yourself that oftentimes fall short or are shallow um, is an old, old narrative. And so when we are facing things that we've been told, whether individually or collectively as a society for a long time, it oftentimes takes it oftentimes takes a lot of time and practice to let go of those old stories. So I want to kind of suggest suggest, invite gently that you take a different approach when it comes to New Year's resolutions in 2022. Because I don't know about you, but I have set plenty of New Year's resolutions in the past that I have not stuck to. And then I felt like crap when I don't end up um, sticking with them. So let's take a different approach this year. And so I'm going to share with you um, why I think it's important and then a few tips this whole idea of what if instead of trying to set these big lofty goals for ourselves, um, this, you know, I'm going to lose all the weight. I'm going to go for that big promotion. I'm going to completely change my entire, I don't know, organization system at home or revamp this relationship. I don't know. I'm coming up with random things. Those are all great goals, by the way. Um, if, if there's something that you, you know, that fits in with your life or some direction that you feel like you've been needing to head, but they're really big goals without like really specific clear steps on how to get there. And so, and then the other side of that is if we don't meet those goals, because it oftentimes takes time to meet those goals. Um, and it takes a lot of other things. We feel like we're failing and we don't want to go into the new year feeling like we're already failing. And I'm going to share a statistic with you that will help you kind of understand why I just said that. So um, a recent study done by, I think it was the the New York Post, um, 
showed that it takes just 32 days, 32 days for the average person to finally break their resolution. So, and here's the catch. Beyond that, 68% of people report giving up on their resolutions even sooner than that. So 32 days, that's just over a month for most people to give up on their resolutions or to break their resolution. And then 68% of the pe- of the population that was, you know, obviously polled in this research reported giving up their resolutions even sooner than that. So the question then is why do we as a society keep coming back to this outdated notion of setting new year's resolutions that we don't end up sticking to? Well, I think it's like anything else because we think we should, because we've been told we should, because we don't know any different. So, you know, I myself, as, as, as somebody who is just like you, um, busy and always going and trying to do all the things, I know how hectic life can be. And I know, um, that we have the best intentions when we set these goals for ourselves, but believe me when I say that when it comes to making change and when it comes to really moving the needle on the things in our life that we're wanting to move the needle on, it is really best and more efficient, more um, produces more lasting change when we take small practical steps. So I've thought about this idea. I thought, what if we all decided my little podcast listener crew and my social media following and everybody who is, you know, I get to talk to about this. I've been actually getting to contribute to some media articles about this idea. What if we decided to just ditch this idea of New Year's resolutions and instead commit to these, what I call micro mini mental health habits, little mini mental health, health, Liddy, I can't talk you guys, little mental health habits um, that actually will move the needle and will change the way that we feel on a daily basis. Will these micro habits make our life perfect? Will they, you know, make us nail it and reach every goal? No way. Nothing does. But they will help us prioritize things like, you know, our self-care, our sense of well-being, our sense of um, calm, our willingness to show up for our people the way that we want to moving our body in ways that feel good. So I want to talk about how to do that. When we, you know, think about New Year's resolutions, we know that statistically most people set resolutions that have to do with like wellness and, you know, oftentimes appearance, but wellness. And so um, if we don't start from the inside out, we can't actually change because wellness comes from the inside out. Sure. There's lots of different ways to approach wellness. There's you know, there's physical wellness, there's emotional wellness, there's spiritual wellness, there's, I don't know, there's sexual wellness, there's relationship wellness, all those things are really important. But when it comes to how we feel about ourselves, the truth is, is no amount of outward change can make us feel better on the inside. What I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is that we don't feel better, for instance, when we um, decide to eat better or we decide to move our body more. That is true. We oftentimes do feel better when we do that. And when I say eat better, I mean, eat foods that simply like feel better for our body that fuel us. So yes, it comes from 
as we know, the inside out, real change. So I want to share five micro habits for 2022 that I think are really, really important and frankly, very freaking simple. Okay. Simple and that the concept of them is simple, which doesn't mean simple and that I expect you to do them every day. Okay. Cause I don't do these things every day. Um, I love this idea of ish. I don't know. Maybe my next, maybe my next book will be called like ish because daily ish, right? These micro habits are something to kind of um, infuse into your life as often as possible, not perfectly. If you haven't heard that message yet, I I, I hope you'll hear it here. Um, is that this isn't about perfection? This is actually just about what I call imperfect growth, right? Okay, so micro habit number one: What if we tried one minute, just one minute? of breath work each day. There's lots of different ways to do breath work. The way that I like to do it is real simple because I like to do things simple. I don't have capacity for much more when it comes to these kind of things because my attention span is very short. Hashtag ADHD, right? Okay. So one minute of even just one minute of mindful breath work each day. Um, I like to sit down in a room that is preferably, um, as far away from the kids as possible. And I like to just do four seconds, count to four on the in-breath and count to six on the out-breath. And I literally will just set my timer on my phone. I usually do it for more than one minute, but even just a few of these is fine. You know, one minute, two minutes, three minutes. You know, there's some great apps that do this for you. Headspace has, you know, these one minute little breath work exercises. They're really great to do at any time of the day. I like to do them in the morning to sort of like set the tone for the day. I don't care when you do it, right? Just do it when you feel like you need to, but do it as much as you can. What this does um, in a real sort of like simplified explanation is that a lot of things actually, it helps us um, really come back into our body. A lot of times we throughout our days are floating, right? We're like way up in our head. We're thinking about what we have to do next, what's going on, how everyone's feeling and doing, you know, what's on the to-do list. Um, We're thinking about everything that has to be done or is yet to be done. And so we're living in our head most of our time. We're not actually in our body, even though, you know, we're in our body, but you know what I mean? We're not, our tension isn't focused on how am I doing? How am I feeling? right? Like what is it like to just be in my body? I know for me, that is my biggest struggle is just learning to sit in and be in my body. It sounds kind of silly, right? Like it's like the only thing we're actually born knowing how to do yet. It becomes so hard as we adult. So sitting with one minute of breath work can really help us just tune into our bodies, kind of scan our bodies and just be with them. Um, okay. The second micro habit, small bursts of movement, wherever and whenever you can fit it in. You guys, I used to think that exercise had to be this whole big production, right? Like I needed at least 45 minutes to an hour or an hour and a half to exercise. Like, and I never did that. I just didn't really even have the time for that or didn't make the time for that, I should say, um, in my 20s even. And then I would feel all guilty when I didn't do it. Um, and so What I'm here to remind us of and remind myself of consistently is that movement should feel good. We are made to move. If we are um, able to move and we have been gifted the ability to continue to move, 
without pain or without intense pain or without limitation or with limitation, but in some way we are made to move. So movement um, doesn't have to be about exercise in the traditional sense. In fact, I don't think it should be. I think it should be about what makes you feel good. That could just be five minutes of a little dance break in the kitchen. It could be going on a 10 minute walk. It could be in between clients. A lot of times I get down on the floor and I just do like a quick little stretch. I've become such a big fan of those like little 10 minute yoga workouts. And, um, you know, you see me doing my Peloton. If you follow me on social media, a lot of times I just do the 10 minute rides or the 15 or the 20 minute rides, whatever I can do, because I know that if I just do these small bursts of movement, some that are kind of considered more traditional exercise or some that aren't considered exercise in the traditional sense, I always feel better. Um, there was recent research that was done and I don't quote me on this and I don't even know the source. So this is like a shitty kind of thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, that showed that for women specifically women who have autoimmune disorders, which I have hypothyroidism. I've talked about that before. I forget which episode, but you can go back and find it. Um, that actually doing lower intensity movement and exercise is better than doing the higher intensity exercise and movement. Guys, that was like life-changing for me. I was like, okay, hell yeah, sign me up. I will stop trying to do like the boot camps. And if you like that stuff, great. Or those high intensity workouts, good for you. If you love that, that's great for me. I didn't love it. And come to find out, it made my body or my, in this case, particularly my thyroid, think that it was being um, further attacked, right? And so my body would then get really inflamed and stressed out. I would actually notice that my thyroid gland would get more swollen. I never put two and two together, but after big runs or high intensity workouts, my thyroid gland and my neck would get swollen. So the fact is for some of us, less kind of intense movement more often is much healthier and better. And good news is it's also more practical and realistic. Hey friends, it's me, Caitlin, just popping in with a quick reminder. If you are wanting to buy my new book, which launches on March 15th, I wanted to ask you if you could do me a favor and go ahead and pre-order it now. You can pre-order A Little Less of a Hot Mess, The Modern Mom's Guide to Growth and Evolution on Amazon. And as I'm learning so much through this whole process of being a first-time author and launching a book, that pre-order sales are really important to how a book ends up doing. So if you would pre-order the book, that would be huge. And if you would share about it with your friends and family and all the ladies in your life that you think could use a little love note, a little extra push to care for themselves and say yes to themselves this year, I would be forever grateful. Cheers. Okay. Step three. I got to keep talking or else I'm never going to get through this. These episodes are supposed to be mini and I'm just like, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Step three, ground yourself in the moment. This is a really good one. And this is one I've been really trying to do. And then in just really recently in this past year, um, I learned grounding tools um, as a therapist to be able to teach my clients. And I always kind of learned in, in this more kind of like expansive way. But when I think about it, Grounding doesn't have to be that difficult. So grounding is really about, it's a mindfulness exercise about connecting to your senses because so often again, right, we're, we're moving through our day. We're on to the next thing. We don't even notice where we are, or what we're doing in our environment. 
And so if we can take the time to pause and ground ourselves to where our feet actually are, we end up feeling a sense of calm and wellness and just overall, like just our stress levels get reduced, all the good things happen. So again, not a fix all, but this is something that you can do really practically by when you walk into a new room or you kind of enter into a new part of your day, you know, that moment when you kind of like first walk into your office or you walk into the kitchen, what if you just decided to take a second, you know, just even 20, 30 seconds to look around the room, notice what is it that I see? What is it that I smell? What is it that I can touch? What is it that I'm hearing? And what's the fifth sense, you guys? I'm blinking. See, touch, hear, smell. Oh my gosh, taste, taste. I mean, you know, what is it like? What does it feel like? I, I would say in that case, like, what is my breath like? Just really taking a moment to scan the room, scan your body, connect to those five senses. It doesn't have to be complicated. Fourth micro habit, talk to yourself like you would a dear friend or a child at least once each day. This is a really hard one. This is a really hard one because we don't do this often, right? We either don't talk to ourselves in a way that's kind of like, usually it's just kind of neutral or very like matter of fact, or it's negative. It's like, gosh, I can't believe you missed that appointment again. Or gosh, I can't believe I messed that up. Or oh, why can I ever just blank, right? Fill in the blank here. What if instead we tried just once or twice a day and it's awkward as hell at first talking to ourselves, like saying something like, Hey, you know what? You did your best. You showed up. And that's so great. I'm so proud of you. Bonus points. If you look in the mirror and do it, this is something my own therapist told me a couple years ago. And, uh, it was a hard one for me. She gave me the assignment or the therapy homework of looking in the mirror and just staring at myself without fixing or touching and just looking in my own eyes. But what if you did that and said something kind to yourself that might feel too vulnerable and too hard. That's okay. You don't have to do that right away. Cause it is, it was really vulnerable and hard for me. I have gotten so much better at being compassionate and kind to myself, but it is a freaking practice. So if you just start off with something like, Hey, you know, you did your best, good job, way to show up, or it's okay. You can only do so much in a day. If you just did that a little bit more every day ish, we would all be so much better off. Okay. Last one, practice, practical gratitude. Um, this is a big one because we hear so much about gratitude and sitting down in the morning, right? Every morning at 5.30 a.m., I want you to whip out that journal and write what you're grateful for. Now, sorry, that doesn't always work for me. You know, sometimes I feel like doing that. Sometimes I don't. So I don't expect anyone to kind of live by this like hard line rule of like, I need to do this at this time. and I need to practice gratitude at 6 a.m. every morning. That's just, in my opinion, not very... Um, realistic. Okay. I'm just going to say it's not very realistic. So <laughs> practical gratitude can look like doing it any time of the day, any time of the day ish. And I want you to just name one specific thing, specific thing that you're most grateful for, and then pick a small action action, sorry, to follow that can express that gratitude. So often we just kind of say what we're grateful for or write what we're grateful for, but we don't think about how we can carry that gratitude through. Um, 
And carrying that gratitude through is such an important part of the process. There's an author who I love. Um, her name is Gina Hamdi. I, I don't know. I hope I'm saying her last name right. And she wrote a book. Let me pull it up before I forget. But it was so good. It's a book on gratitude. And it just came out this year. I believe it's called Thank You. Um, or I Want to Thank You. I Want to Thank You. And so it's a great book on practical gratitude and how to actually carry gratitude through. But this idea would look like um, I'm, I was so grateful um, that my family all sat together at the table tonight and everyone was able to list the best part of their day. That's something that I honestly feel grateful for when that happens. Cause usually it doesn't go that smooth, right? Usually there's like somebody crying or somebody not wanting to eat the broccoli. And so like, maybe, you know, I'm just grateful that that happened. And so to carry that gratitude through, I'm going to then that day say to my children, you know, last night at dinner was so great. I really appreciated the way that we were all able to kind of like sit down together and talk. And I loved hearing about your day. Well, something like that. Right. Um, or that, that was just what came to mind, but that's an example. The idea is that when we don't want to just say what we're grateful for, we want to actually carry that through. Okay. So let's do a quick review. One minute of mindful breath work each day, one minute ish, five to 10 minutes of little bursts of movement wherever and whenever you can dancing, walking, stretching, walking up and down the stairs, playing tennis, right? I'm joking, but like kind of only because a couple of my friends who listen to this podcast know that I've been on this, like, I'm going to start playing tennis again, um, sort of (laughs) thing. Um, and okay. So number three, ground yourself in the moment, notice what you see, smell, taste, feel, each time you enter, each time ish, you enter into a new space or room. And then four, talk to yourself like you would a dear friend or a child at least once a day-ish. And five, practice practical gratitude and then carry it through. Okay, that's what I've got. You guys, I wish you a, oh, I don't want to say a wonderful new year. I'm sorry, that just doesn't feel real with everything that's going on right now. I wish you, well, I do wish you a wonderful new year, practically, right? I know there's a lot on our plates and the load of motherhood, the load of COVID, the load of career and life and relationships always heavy. And so I hope that if you can do one thing a little bit better this year, it's that process of considering what is it that I actually value and care the most about? And am I living in a way that reflects that? Gosh, we aren't going to get it right and perfect all the time. I know that. I certainly don't. But if we can go towards our values just a little bit more this year, then that's just a beautiful thing because we can't change so much about the cards that were dealt and the things that are going on in our world. The only thing we have power an agency over is the way that we choose to move forward. And sometimes we don't even have that choice. I'm just going to say that hard truth too. Sometimes life happens to us, right? Sometimes we get hurt or somebody we love gets hurt. And then our whole sort of idea of our world or the way that we need to live shifts and changes, but no amount of worrying that that's going to happen is going to change that or stop that from happening either. 
So right now in this moment, considering what is it that you have agency and control over, and that really is the actions you take and the choices you make. And so if you can consider what is it that I care about the most and how am I going to try and reflect that, not just in the new year, but always moving forward a little bit each day. And if you want help, this is my shameless self-promo, kind of kicking off that process. Let's see. In a couple, in three months, two months from now, March 15th, my book, A Little Less of a Hot Mess, comes out. If you could pre-order that book, if you want to buy it and you know you're going to get it, can I just ask you to not wait until it comes out? I would love it if you would pre-order the book now. Because if you pre-order it now, not only is it going to be the lowest price that it ever is, it's also going to help with my... Um, promote the book and with my sales and my Amazon algorithm and all that stuff that I'm learning about so imperfectly. Um, so I love you all. Thanks for showing up to this hot mess of a podcast. And I just appreciate you. Quick note, I have some awesome guests coming on in the new year. I have some incredible, incredible people, including and not limited to one of my own favorite female entrepreneurs slash mentors slash authors, Jess Ekstrom, who wrote On the Bright Side. So please continue to show up and listen to these solo episodes. Leave me a review, but also get excited because we have even as incredible guests as we've had in this past year. It just continues to grow. So cheers you all and happy new year. Thanks for choosing to listen to this week's podcast episode and for supporting A Little Less Hot Mess. One way you could really support the ongoing production of this podcast is by going to iTunes, subscribing to the podcast if you haven't already, and leaving me a five-star review and uh, share what you like about the podcast. Another thing I wanted to point out, if you're interested in dipping your toes in the water of personal growth but aren't quite sure where to start, I've got just the thing for you. I created a free Facebook group called A Little Less Hot Mess, a personal growth group for modern moms. It's a place that I share resources that I think will be helpful, and we get to be in conversation with like-minded women and moms around the struggles and all the real stuff that comes with being a modern woman. So check it out, and you can also pre-order my book, which is called A Little Less Hot Mess, The Modern Mom's Guide to Growth and Evolution, on Amazon now. Lots of things coming your way. I hope you have a beautiful week. Cheers.